Welcome to Fret Knots with me, Rosie Bennett. Fret Knots is the podcast that aims to demystify the learning process that we all go through in our lives, work and otherwise. I'll be talking to the champions in our field about the lessons that have defined their careers and help us to work out how we can learn from what they've already figured out. Nothing in life is a linear process, so let's get more at ease with the ups and the downs and realise that wherever we are in our journey, we really aren't alone. This podcast is brought to you by Augustine Strings, a company with real heart, a fascinating history and my guitar string of choice. Check them out at augustinestrings.com. In today's episode, I talk to Alexandra Whittingham, a classical guitarist with some of the most artistic videos in the industry. Now a YouTube sensation, her recordings have reached 30 million listeners worldwide. Her early life saw her study at the world-renowned Cheatham School of Music in Manchester and go on to study at the Royal Academy of Music in London. She's toured through Europe both as a soloist and as part of the Wigan Youth Jazz Orchestra and has performed at Abbey Road Studios alongside singer-songwriter Imelda May. Her album, My European Journey, is out on May 28th and the first single is already available to download. Alexandra, what is a lesson you've learnt that has been the most meaningful to you? Just the kind of fact that you really can never please everybody and that you're never going to do do something or make art that every single person in the world is going to like. And a lot of those people that don't like it will make those opinions known. So mm. obviously nowadays everything's becoming much more online-based and you put something out online and somebody the opposite side mm. of the world can see it within seconds. And it's so easily reached by everybody mm. that there obviously is a lot more scope, you know, for opinions to be tossed around. And personally, I've found that it's taken a few years to get to the stage where I can just sort of go if you don't like it fine like that's what I do I found it much more difficult I think having gone through music college and music school before that because kind of 12 years in music institutions you know you look up to a lot of people you get these amazing professors coming in and um, you have classes with different people and you know all of your peers do the very very similar things if they play the same instrument and it's difficult to not feel that that sense of judgment even if mm. it's not there I think as artists you always feel that there is judgment there, even if there mm. isn't, maybe it's sort of within yourself sometimes, but even so. So I think if you're making art to please everybody else, it's not gonna it's not gonna be as good as if you just do it to please yourself, really. Mm. You said that you've been in the music education system for twelve years now. So that's Cheatham's in Manchester and now the Royal Academy in London. How did you find the process of growing up with such rigorous training? Was it something that you felt came naturally to you? Um, yeah, so my dad, I mean, I, I don't really come from a musical family at all, mm. um, the, but my dad always had guitars around the house sort of growing up, you know, would never really, I don't think had the confidence to kind of go out and get lessons, which I really wish, wish, he, wish he would have because he was so good, you know, like mm. being self-taught, like he had a really, really good ear and he could just sort of pick things up and he's definitely the reason I got into the guitar. We'd kind of, I'd say we'd kind of jam when I was younger, but it was literally just me kind of like strumming open strings and him looking at me like you're ruining it (laughs) (laughs) but um (laughs) my parents were like insanely supportive with it as soon as I kind of said I really really like this and this is kind of I never really sort of said this is what I want to do long term but you know I started off sort of writing my own songs and like singing with it and all that kind of stuff I basically wanted to be like a mini Avril Lavigne when I was younger (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, so my parents ended up out of the blue finding out that there was this music school in Manchester. Mm-hmm. So I um, went and like had a couple of auditions. I was really bad. Very luckily, they kind of said, "Oh, you know, we see potential in her." And mm. I don't know, I don't know what they saw. It would be to be honest, because it was tr- it was awful. But um, <laughs> I remember them putting the sight reading in front of me, and I was I think I'd just done like my grade two at that point, mm. and the sight reading was just to me it literally looked like Rachmaninoff or something. Like it was it was insanely easy. <laughs> like it will have been really easy, but I looked at it and I remember just going. I'm never going to go to this school. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. Ended up somehow getting in and then that's where um, that's where the musical education started, I guess. But yeah, God knows how I got through that audition. <laughs> Actually, it's really weird, but my audition experience at Manuman School was very similar. Sort of felt like a complete disaster at the time, but somehow turned out okay. Um, I know you said that you were a shy child and I actually was as well, painfully so sometimes. But I wondered, how did that shyness manifest itself in your early life, particularly in your first performances? And how has it developed throughout your playing career? I do remember performing before I went to music school. I mean, I say performing, it was... Um, I was very lucky that my parents were just willing to drive me here, there and everywhere. If, if I said, oh, you know, there's this, there's this show going on and, you know, I think I could go and play on it. Or um, there was like a little talent competition or something like that, you know, like they'd always just sort of say, you know what, yeah, like, let's go. Um, mm. And I remember being able to get up in front of all these people and even like sing and play the guitar. And I mean, like, you know, you'd never, ever catch me doing that in public now. So like, <laughs> I think, you know, I the perhaps... I mean, I definitely didn't think about it in a sense of, oh, I'm really nervous and this is this is performing and there's people in front of me. It was just, I think, something that by that point came so naturally because I hadn't, you know, I hadn't been in sort of like a serious setting with it and it, it was never my career in my head. It was obviously just a, a really cool hobby that I really enjoyed and I wanted to share with other people. Um, but thinking back on it, it probably is weird that I was so shy, like aside from the guitar and then we'll go and play in front of all these people but I think I don't know if you found this but the second I went to music school and was surrounded by like instantly surrounded by people that were better than me and that you know I found so inspiring but also so like I was just panic stricken by that mm. um that it kind of just sucked all the com- like the stage confidence out of me and it's it's taken I mean I'm definitely not there yet but you know it, t- it I feel like it's taking years and years and years to build that back up and I think that's one of the reasons, that's one of the things I definitely want to work on after um, I graduate is being more comfortable with how I am on stage and having a persona there that I do feel really comfortable with. And I think part of that obviously is being able to play repertoire that that you feel that you can put across well and that you connect with. And I've probably never really had the, the like time to give that repertoire and that kind of show experience in that sense and kind of put it all together in my head just because it's been so busy with studying so Mm. I think that's yeah I'm definitely looking forward to being able to do that um, and just spend loads of time sort of nurturing that. Mm. Have you found that the work you do on your online presence especially the videos on YouTube has that helped you come a little bit closer to what you feel you're searching for within yourself as an artist? and have the process and the response to what you create helped you develop your self-confidence in any way? I do still find it, I, I mean, I suffer with imposter syndrome as much as any musician does. Um, so 
it, I always still find it a little bit weird just because I, with the whole YouTube thing, I really never expected or set out to have like a, a reasonable audience on there. Mm. Um, and it just kind of happened. And the fact that it just kind of happened, it kind of said, wow, you know what? You can just make these videos and put them out and people like them enough to, to I don't know, tell other people or to share them or... And I found that really, really heartwarming. Mm. And I mean, I have had a, a very, very supportive upbringing with music and my family and friends are so, as much as most of them weren't musicians, they were so supportive of that and so kind of encouraging. Mm. And I just found it really nice that, you know, an, an online community who didn't know me as a person could also feel the same way. So it's more so, I think, helped in terms of getting to know myself like, as an individual aside from a musician just because I was so kind of underconfident when I was a child and you know like had as I'm sure you did you know in such an intense environment in in a boarding school which is also an intense music school it's really really difficult at times and there's so much pressure surrounding every single aspect of life in that in that like situation and I don't know having gone through a lot of times where I just felt like I really didn't know myself or like myself or anything like that it's been as, as that audience has built and as that kind of like recognition as an artist has kind of has built as well I think it's just kind of been really reassuring just as a human being to have some sort of to, just to have like all the positivity about you know especially from people who don't necessarily know me as an individual mm. um and the playing thing obviously that you know it really to get a, a nice compliment from somebody is always nice no matter who it is and you know, as much the criticism as well, you know, obviously you have to be open to, to criticism when you put yourself out online. But playing wise, I think because it's made me feel more secure mm. within myself and throughout all the work that I put into that has kind of reassured me that I'm doing the right thing because I really enjoy it and I really get a lot out of it. I think the fact that it's kind of helped me as a person to feel secure in myself is kind of seeped into the playing aspect of it because before then I felt like I was only really seeking um like reassurance or kind of approval from the institution that I was studying in or my guitar teacher or my peers and you kind of I think I just got to a point where I was like you know what it's it's lovely to have support from those people but when I leave it's that's it mm -hmm. you know it's not the be all and end all mm -hmm. and I don't know I think it's nice to feel like there's something there that isn't just attached to a certain a certain part of your life you know like this will hopefully I don't know continue and grow which yeah I'm excited about which hopefully it will continue anyway <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> I'm sure it will I'm sure uh, this feels like a good segue into the second question which is what is a lesson that you would like to impart I think a lesson that hopefully is useful to kind of impart is to trust yourself and to trust your instincts as a musician I mean that's obviously quite a broad general cliche mm. um but I think obviously it applies to so much and I think one of the main things being that obviously as a musician in this day and age is what well, I sound like a grandma don't I? in this day and age <laughs> um obviously being a musician and an artist now isn't just spending eight nine hours in a practice room all day and then you know with meal breaks it's, it's so much more than that and you you have to be not only a musician but you have to you know be your own manager you have to manage everything online if you teach there's other avenues there's you know there's there's so much potential um and scope to be insanely versatile as an artist but i think that also 
opens the door having the bit of imposter syndrome in that sense mm. because there are so many times that like so many situations that I found myself in where I go is this really what I trained for not necessarily in a bad way you know st- stuff that I really really enjoy but half really don't feel qualified for or you know stuff that isn't necessarily purely guitar playing but is also a little bit of other things and I just think it, it's been a massive journey of and this sounds so cliche but <laughs> like really trusting yourself and really kind of just knowing yourself well enough to go you know what looking at everything I've done in the past I will be able to do this and I'm prepared to put the work in and I'm prepared to just give it my best shot regardless of the outcome you know as long as I try my best and I think that's all anyone can do as 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 any profession trusting your instinct is something that as you know a lot of musicians are just freelance musicians Mm. we don't have somebody else to rely on to make decisions for us or to fire us if we're not doing well as a boss or (laughs) you know um so yeah what a fantastic point I'd never thought of it like that before (laughs) it's basically like we get tenure as soon as we start playing Mm. (laughs) um maybe that's why as musicians we feel so ill at ease with taking risks in fields or projects we feel we know very little about because in the end if we are our own boss we're simultaneously making the standards and also trying to achieve them it's funny but actually that had never occurred to me before It's like, in a way, developing your confidence and ability to judge yourself accurately is really the only way to define what you want and how you're going to go about doing it. What's something you think could be done differently in the classical world that would help people to trust themselves more? I don't know. It's it's, it's really strange, but I think there's this big, big thing of these are the people that set out the the rules for music and the rules for what you're playing and the rules for this and the rules for that and it makes them kind of untouchable in a way and I think that the kind of expectation of having that not just huge respect because obviously that that doesn't really come into it but I think having that connection with a certain type of music realizing how amazing it is and how clever it is and how how it's all put together you know, I feel like you can you can understand the hell out of out of pieces like that and how uh, out of um, styles like that and composers who who write in that way, but also not feel personally connected with the music enough to want to play it and do it justice. Mm. And that's kind of something that I've struggled with throughout music college because I think that it's felt very much to me that I'm only going to start appreciating certain types of music when I leave, mm. um, because. I know that then I'm going to have the time properly to put into that specifically Mm. and read about it and be able to be a bit more knowledgeable about what I'm playing rather than put on a little bit of a a facade about having a connection with something that I just don't feel is right. So yeah, I don't It's It's a bit of a weird one. If you take pop music, for instance, you know, there there are opinions flying left, right and center about every single track that you hear on the radio or you know, in the charts and, Mm. you know, there's so many people that will just sort of explicitly say what they feel about that kind of music. And I think with classical music, it, it, because it's, I don't know, it has such a, such a huge history, maybe that isn't the case as much, but I also think that it's important to be able to have conversations both ways, which is the case with a lot of other music. It, it, It has kind of made me think, um, very recently as to why the classical music tradition in a more performance sense 
kind of remains unchanged mm. when performance in other styles of music is so different and moves with the times and you know and I don't necessarily know in what way I like if I had the power to I would change it but I think it's more kind of a mindset of having certain expectations and judgments before you go into a classical concert that you just don't have with a lot of other genres. It really really grates on me and there's so much about that kind of that expectation and about the kind of judgment and to be honest I don't know whether it is as much from the younger generation because I do feel like a lot of people our age feel the same and a lot of older people feel the same as well I think it's just a lot of people are kind of scared to admit that they do and a lot of people are scared to think oh well you know there's no point in in voicing my opinion about that or or, or even thinking like that just because it's a tradition that can't be touched and it's so old and mm. and at the same time it's like well look how everything else is changing you know look at the speed that, that everything's changing especially I mean over the last couple of well the last year even with COVID and everything like you know pe- people people are starting to voice their opinions about stuff and I know this is probably quite a, a, a small scale kind of topic to voice up but I obviously in the classical music world it definitely isn't I feel like a lot of traditions never get changed simply because people don't trust themselves enough to make a move in any other direction so we get this kind of collective stagnation and the etiquettes stay the same, and the traditions that we've always had just stay in place. Really, I think it's because there's no gold standard in music. Everything is completely subjective. But that means you might well spend a lifetime not knowing how you play, because there's nothing to measure it against, except, you know, other people's opinions, who also live in fear of being wrong, which doesn't really exist in this framework. Mm. It's difficult. It's kind of you're kind of born into this this tradition that already just completely like solidly exists Mm. which is really difficult to touch as well um or alter or even voice opinions about you know i've never really talked to anybody about about all this before going through music institutions and everything that you don't tend you don't get to have these kinds of conversations because those institutions a lot of the time are, are built into the, into the tradition. Mm. I mean, not that I have anything against them, you know, at their amazing places. And I think it's great that these places exist to be able to kind of, I don't know, kind of gain that knowledge around it. But I think it is getting to a point where more and more people are speaking about this kind of stuff and going, hey, you know what? If this many people feel like it's about time for things to change, then why is it still feeling so untouchable and so um, unchangeable, really? It's, it's kind of, it's interesting. I think definitely we are seeing the beginning of a lot of change in this industry. And there are a lot of people who've sort of disassociated from the standard and are trying to democratise the craft as an art form, which I think is definitely really exciting. I know you've got some more thoughts on this in terms of what you're working on currently. So I'll ask you my third question. What is a lesson that you're working on now? Um, I think... A lesson that I'm learning at the moment um, and have been for a while is there's not a template or a mould that we should kind of work work towards or Mm. work at fitting into as a classical guitarist or as a classical musician. I think it's really, really easy to fall into that trap of having a very kind of little bubble that you want to to kind of fit into either when you graduate or at a certain time in your life. It's, It's kind of ingrained in you to some extent that 
you know, the people that you see graduate and you see go into the wide world, that that's what you should be doing and you should be following their paths. And even though that's never directly said to you, it always feels because there's such a pattern of what people go and do and go off to do. Mm. It a lot of the time feels like that's the expectation. And I've certainly found that to some extent with all of the things that, that I'm doing online, for instance, like with the videos and YouTube and things, you know, I've had a very weird relationship with mm. studying and with a certain generation of guitarists and the way they feel about about things like that and the kind of judgment like the passive judgment it's a really weird one because i appreciate that not everybody's had the opportunity to to do what you know what we do and what our generation can do with um social media and with you know putting out content online but mm. i think it's dangerous for how they feel to be sort of dripped down into the young you know younger people there's been quite a few instances where i've maybe sort of put something out it's kind of been met with a very weird response i feel like perhaps there needs to be more approval and appreciation of the fact that people will do what they want to artistically now even when they're studying at an institution or um, studying with a certain person and i just think sometimes it's difficult because a lot of the big names and a lot of the big um figures whether it's you know violinists guitarists pianists haven't experienced that so they find it difficult to relate and perhaps think oh well why would that work i i when i was growing up i spent 10 hours in a practice room and that's how i got to where i am but things change and i think the kind of if i was going to say sort of one thing that i wish my education would have taught me or would have would have given advice on it is that if you find something within this strange career world mm-hmm. that you relate to and that you feel you can do well then stick by it and don't try to just fit into a box mm. ahead of our conversation today i had a little look at the official definition for selling out because i know it's something we both wanted to talk about these days with social media there's a lot of pushback and also a lot of confusion around what making an honest living is in classical music so i'll just quickly read this definition selling out the compromising of one's integrity, morality, authenticity or principles in exchange for personal gain. And there's a lot to unpack there, but I suppose I'd like to start by just voicing that I think that personal gain is really the most important factor in how people determine selling out. People can compromise their integrity, morality and authenticity and still be deified by the classical world. But as soon as they receive any kind of public adoration or a decent paycheck for their efforts, it seems to be only then the real balance of judgment seems to tip away from them. Yeah, completely. I mean, that, that phrase, selling out, is just... I hate it. I hate it with a passion mm-hmm. because it's just thrown around so loosely. I, I've, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you have too. I've seen it thrown around so much at school as well with people who were branching out and, and trying to do different things and... And even even then, I mean, obviously everybody's very impressionable when you're at school age, but I just, I, I remember thinking, well, why why is that a bad thing? Like, why is somebody who is making the most of what they can do and what they have and, you know, why why is that setting out? And I think the whole thing, what you said for, with, for personal gain, mm. I mean, a lot of things for personal gain. <laughs> You know, you could take you could take that very loosely and you could kind of say, well, actually, everything's for personal gain there's so much kind of snobbishness around so much like so much in music yeah i've, I've heard it a heck of a lot mm. um 
even from people who've come in to give masterclasses. I've sat in masterclasses where people have come in and gone on for an hour about certain people selling out and compromising their integrity and bringing a bad name to the classical guitar world. And I'm just sat there thinking, well, I'm the only one in this room that I can think of that puts out content online. So, hey, presto, that must mean about me. You know, and it's kind of... Mm. I think it's just so sad. It's so sad. Um, I remember leaving and just being so sad and angry because how many people are sat there thinking, you know what, I'm going to invest in some equipment. I really like what I've seen such a person doing or such a person doing, or I've got this repertoire that I really want to record that I'm passionate about. Mm. Um, I want to try making some films or just anything that, like, it's still artistic, but aside from actually plucking the strings. You know, I think it's so sad that that certain certain individuals are allowed to, to... And I mean, it's not obviously like I'm talking about anybody specific, but I know that there's a lot of people who share the same view of being able to go and say this to younger people. And younger people will believe it. If you're told something by somebody that you respect and look up to and, um, mm. you know, it really does plant that seed in your head. And I've definitely been there before where perhaps when I first start, started music college where I heard people speak about things and, and I'd kind of, I'd really panic because that was around the time that, that I kind of started to put things out on YouTube and, and was getting, a, you know, like a really nice response from it. And all of a sudden I remember feeling panicked and feeling like, oh God, that means, am I going to have to stop doing that? Or, mm. you know, what what's going to happen? Am I going to be judged for that and not invited to X festival, X festival? And looking back on it I think it's hilarious because I mean obviously you're gonna you're gonna feel like that when you're young um Mm. and it's difficult not to feel like that now but I also think it's absolutely ridiculous that it's it's okay for people to say this to like younger generations of musicians because ultimately they didn't have the same opportunities and the same experiences with technology with social media and if you're not experienced that firsthand then you can't speak about how bad it is and how much it's ruining the reputation of of whoever and whatever. I just think, you know, I think it needs to be it needs to be taught or like imparted by institutions or just just by people in general that it's okay to experiment and to do like what you want artistically. I know that's quite a it's a very general thing to say, but you know, I just think like everybody would do it differently Mm. even if they attempted to do the same thing they'd do it differently because they're a different person so I think it's more to do maybe in that sense with being appreciated and people appreciating what you do Mm. have people appreciate your music and have people feel good Mm. um even if they do something differently I mean you know it's it's the same with with guitarists we look up to for instance you know their music speaks to a heck of a lot of people Mm. but all of the guitarists that that admire them wouldn't necessarily play exactly the same so I think there's a lot of variance in it I guess (laughs) but yeah ultimately you want people to appreciate what you do thank you for listening to this week's episode of fret not Make sure to check out Alexandra's YouTube channel and note the 28th of May in your diary for her album release. Join me in two weeks' time, where I'll be speaking to Singaporean classical guitarist Kevin Lowe about cross-disciplinary learning, entrepreneurship, and how his time in the army helped shape his musical goals.